Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Retro Review with Rob and Terry. I am Rob. This is Terry. And we are back with episode number 68, Terry. 68. Wow. Yes. That's fun. I have, uh, because we're getting a bit of boring um, <laughs> football player numbers for this, I'm actually going to switch up and I've got some celebrities here who were born in, not in 68. Ah, jeez. So... Who got there's fifty four years old? Well, James Bond is sixty four years old. Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. All right. Uh Gillian Anderson is was born in sixty eight. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Owen Wilson was born in sixty eight. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem right. He seems like he should have been born in like ninety eight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> is that is that a, a bored wow? Is that what you're saying? That's what Owen Wilson does. There's a whole compilation of him going, wow, whoa, oh, wow. I got it now. I, I should have done the accent. <laughs> I can't get that one going. Also, we've got Kylie Minogue. Minogue? Minogue? Psh, I don't know. Another okay. name I haven't heard in 20 years. Ashley Judd. Same. Naomi Watts. Brendan Fraser. Ah, that guy needs to make a comeback. Jo- uh, Hugh Jackman. There you go. Celine Dion. <laughs> Eric Bana, the original Hulk. Well, the original movie Hulk. Yeah. Well, not even the original movie Hulk. Well, technically. I don't know. He played the Hulk. Yeah. That's all we'll give him. The uh, the most famous perpetrator of black-on-black violence, other than the Fresh Prince, Will Smith. Will Smith. <laughs> Real Swift. Did I just say that? Yeah. Real Swift. <laughs> Lucy Liu was born in 68. All right. Jim Caviezel. Yep. Played Jesus. He, uh, he'll he come up later on in the podcast. LL Cool J. Man. Born in 68. Oh, ladies love Cool James, 54 years old. That's right. Patricia Arquette and Sam Rockwell also were born in 68. Well then. Uh, I got a couple people who are 68, celebrities who are 68 years old. Richard Gere. Another, I figure he's older. Another James Bond, Pierce Brosnan. Have you seen him? He looks like Colonel Sanders. Does he really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I have seen him. Yes, I have. Uh, John Malkovich is 68. I can buy that. Yeah. Phil Collins, Kevin Costner. Uh, True. John Mellencamp, 68 years old. Oh, wow. That- <laughs> and Kurt Russell. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I saw today that uh, Michael Keaton was 70 years old, and I was like, dang. I know, man. Hey, well, I'm sure his name will come up in two weeks then. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, 68, and this week we've decided we're going to we're gonna take on something that Terry and I have talked about a couple of times in private. We're going to handle and dish out some hate in this episode, Terry. Yeah, much do hate, for sure. Much deserved hate. Oh, yeah. We have decided, rather than just review one thing, we are going to do our Mount Rushmores of movies we hate. Yep. We have each decided we were going to pick the four worst offenders of cinematic art that we've ever subjected our eyes and ears to, and we're going to make you sit through us talking about them. Yeah, and... 
This is just what we think. There are so many bad movies out there, and we tried to keep it somewhat mainstream so we didn't go too off the beaten path of movies no one's ever heard of. Right. I originally plotted out my four that I've seen, and I was like, eh, man, nobody, nobody's heard of this. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't heard of three of them. So. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we definitely kind of stuck to some movies that are more well-known. Obviously, you've probably we've all seen a movie somewhere along the line that we hated, and but nobody else has ever heard of it. So it would make for a very interesting time for our audience. So yeah. we decided mm-hmm. to kind of keep it more generalized, movies that have been seen by people, but we hated for whatever reasons. I kind of broke mine down into a couple of basic categories for my Mount Rushmore. We'll talk about that when we get there. But first, we got some business to take care of, Terry. We've got to get through some rants and raves. Terry, do you have any rants this week? I have two. All right, let's hear them. I'll, I'll lead off with a quick one here. I've, I've probably ranted about this already. I don't know. Fireworks in the neighborhood every night of the week for the last month plus. And last weekend, I worked at 5 a.m. 5 a.m., oh. both days. And I'm laying in bed and just starting to drift off and boom, Boom! I'm like, come on. Yeah. And they're like right outside, right down the road, just lighting them off. It's like, you're in a neighborhood. Show a little respect after a certain hour, you know? The 4th of July weekend, I, I give you that. You can you can go nuts 4th of July weekend. That's fine. But until then, save those up. It, I feel like they're rationing them out for the whole summer. <laughs> like they're just like we're gonna set off a few tonight and then a few tomorrow oh gosh and it drives our dogs nuts and they won't go outside because they're afraid they're gonna die <laughs> <laughs> no they just hop up on sarah and sit there and shake and it's just vibrating her and just hearts racing she gave him a couple pills that were supposed to calm him down a little you drugged your not dogs? when the fireworks <laughs> go they won't go outside dude they'll make a mess in the house before they oh, go outside man. Like, we carry them out there, and they'll run right back to the door at full speed, just jumping, just trying to get through the door. If they were bigger dogs, they knock that door down. Oh, wow. Yeah, you'll probably hear some on on the microphone tonight, because they're going off here in Kiwani tonight. Same here. Okay. They've already been going off, so can't wait. Can't wait to hear some background noise. Well, what's your other rant this week, Terry? We'll get yours both out of the way real quick. All right. Well, I'm going to piggyback on something that Sarah had said, my wife here. Uh, she had posted on Facebook recently. It was, it's it's a rant that I've had in the past about social media, and uh, the rant is just people who are mean to each other online, just because they don't agree with the opposing view. Uh, without diving into the obvious topic that has once again triggered this action, <laughs> uh, I just want to say that it's sickening to see people say such hurtful, hurtful things to one another just so they can try and win an argument. Uh, when people have time to think about what they want to say, they tend to be more aggressive with their point of view and put down the other person for thinking the opposite of them. Uh, or they find someone else's post that supports their argument and just drop it on the other person to continue to try and prove that the other person is wrong. But I have an idea, and it's not a new one. Listen to the other person that you're arguing with. <laughs> try to understand their side of it. If you've already clearly stated your stance, there's no sense in continuing to argue it. Yeah. Uh, each of you know how you feel, and you should not bother trying to change each other's not mind. I mean, we all can be better than this. And 
just opening up Facebook last week and a half has been a treat. Yeah, I, uh, that was one of my rants too. Just the reactions around the Supreme Court decisions that have come down this week. Uh, my view on the big one is fairly well known. My position yeah. on that, but here's the thing: I didn't really feel, and I was, you know, surprised about this in myself. Maybe I'm growing, Terry. Maybe I'm becoming a better person, but I didn't feel the need to gloat over what would be uh, one side's victory in that question. No. Because, for one thing, it doesn't look good. And another, all you're going to do is you're picking a fight. Tensions are high. I have basically stayed out of the fray. I'm not commenting on people's posts. I'm not posting anything about it because right now, all you're going to do is pick a fight. It's not going to be productive. Nobody's in the mood to talk right now. No, and it's it's just hard to scroll through there, and I'm like every time I scroll, it's like oh, there's someone I know, but I don't want to read about that. So hey, here's a picture of food that and a recipe. Oh, cool. <laughs> All right, scroll. Oh, more hate. I'm gonna oh another picture of something being built. That's cool. And, you know, yeah. I'm not even seeing anybody's post that's like positive for anything. Right. This week, and it's frustrating. It's, it's frustrating. It is. Uh... It has been crazy. I mean, I knew when I heard the leak, the leak about what they were going to decide in, in reference to Roe versus Wade. I knew it was going to get a little nuts. But I mean, it's 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 full on hysteria right now, and uh, so yeah, I think there's a lot of people losing friends and losing friends over something. You guys, everybody has felt the way they feel about this subject the whole time. Absolutely. Nothing's have. changed. The only thing that's changed is the Supreme Court has flipped a decision it had made before. But I still feel the same way about abortion as I did last year. Chances are everybody online still feels the same way they feel about abortion as they every, did last year. Every last one of them. And so the only thing that's going on now is people are fighting these battles in the heat of emotion and in the, in the fire and intensity of the moment. And they're burning bridges with people. Over because you cannot emote in a social media post. All you can do is is because it's a written word. There's no voice inflection. There's no uh, tone of voice that can be accounted for. And all people just do now is shout at each other and they'll hurl memes like you were saying. Hurl memes at each other. Hurl quotes from other people at each other. Somebody comes up with something smart, Alec, or you know, confrontational or controversial to say, and it just gets shared and you know, retweeted, copied and pasted, you yep. know. So everybody is just frothing at the mouth, and that's not going to help anything. No, and they always try to take it to the extreme. That's right. that's what I really have a problem. With. They go to the extreme, and. Then they have things to start get they both sides start getting to the point where they don't have factual information anymore, nah, just so they can try to win an argument. Yeah, it's all just emotional. A little dig. It's all emotional and it's a waste of time. You guys aren't solving anything. Just knock it off. Let move on with life. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I hadn't planned on getting into the actual the tenets of the the decisions because that's inappropriate for our podcast. Yep, but 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 the reactions are one hundred percent in our purview. Yes, it's been insane. I agree with you. I agree with Sarah, although I did disagree on one point with her, is that nobody has ever been deemed to uh, to be all knowing, and I did in fact have a ceremony where I was deemed to be all knowing at one point. Uh, <laughs> I oh, forgot to please. invite people. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but audience of one. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I was also the one giving out the award, so it worked out perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, another rant that I had um, is not quite as as deep as that one. I had another one. I, I would like to say, and I don't want to go into this too much because again, this this is a, a fun podcast. This is a a lighthearted and not a world events type of podcast. But when you read on the news that they find a semi-truck trailer full of 50 people who have died because they were trying to come into this country and they got abandoned by whatever low-life, hell-bound, horrendous human being who leaves them locked in a truck in the Texas heat, Mm -hmm. something inside of you breaks when you read that. And it just, you're like, my God. And the and that's another thing too is I've seen people. There's I've long lost a lot of respect for people that are at far streams of politics. That's well known. I heard a far right wing uh, personality who was somebody that I used to enjoy reading. Who I used to enjoy, you know, hearing what they had to say. Yeah. Who basically their response was, "Oh no, should I feel bad about the person who breaks their leg breaking into my house?" I'm like, how can you equate that to this? This yeah, that's no humanity. That's ridiculous. It's absolutely sick. ridiculous. I, I read the same thing about this, and it, it, it's just gross. And then the dude that had, was driving the truck pretended to be one of the uh, immigrants or whatever. The, he was he, he lay down, pretend like, oh yeah, I'm I'm alive, but barely. No, you were the one that driving the truck. You they weren't stupid. They caught him. The depravity of human behavior still has the, the, the ability to shock me and the yeah. absolute callousness to what it must have been like to die in that manner from people yeah. who turn into a political statement on whether or not our borders are more secure or whether or not Biden's done this or whether or not Trump should have done that. 50-plus people were cooked to death in a metal box in the Texas heat and you want to tell me, and you want to talk about Biden, or you want to talk about Trump, or politics? Yeah, I don't. We don't. It's not political, right? Somebody died. People. A died. lot of people died and died horrifically. We need to stop separating. That's them. This is us. We need to stop. Uh, the whole world needs to stop that. And it's been an ongoing fight for hundreds of years. That's an outs- always. It, it it never ends. It's an outstanding point, Terry. It's got to stop being them and us. That is one of the smartest things I think I've heard anybody say in recent months. It's got to stop being about them, and it should everything should be about us. Everything, you know, we're 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 all on this planet together, and just because there's an imaginary line drawn in the Texas sand between one country and another does not make that person on the other side of that line any less of a human being. Exactly. All right, now on to a more lighthearted rant. Let's get out of this these deep waters, Terry. Get back to all right. Get back to some uh, meaningless stuff, which is what we talk about on here. Mostly meaningless stuff. <laughs> I've not been overly impressed with Ms. Marvel. It's it's PG. First of all, I don't think it's. And, my, I don't. I'm not the target demographic. I get that, mm-hmm. but uh, I know it's targeted more towards the the teenage, the tweens and teens. Um, but I just, I don't know, man. Well, the theory out there is that they're lining up for a young Avengers crew. Okay, I'm fine with that. Kate Bishop, Miss Marvel. And it's not bad. You just, I mean, it's a whole new character. We're still 
learning about her, learning everything, and it's, I don't know, it's just it's new to everybody. And I, I'm staying with it. I'm actually enjoying it. I, I mean, I wouldn't say I hate it, but I'm not. Oh, I don't, I don't hate it. O- I'm just I over the moon. Been, yeah, I've not been overly impressed. Uh, and another thing too is that that bothers me about it is what's making it hard. And here, this ties in what we we're just talking about. I guess we're gonna dip back into deep waters. But I'm tired of people complaining about, you know, well, why is it gotta be this type of people on this show, or why is it gotta be that type? Of- I, I don't I, I watched the show first and I'm like, oh, okay, interesting fam. And I hear people online complaining about it's a different, you know, uh culture than what they wanted to see. And I'm like, come on. I know. It, it's dumb. It's it's stupid. I mean I, I had a argument well, I wouldn't say an argument, it was lighthearted, but conversation with a a guy I work with who happens to be gay, he we were talking about movies and he, he was talking about someone. We were talking about how maybe a person that should have been black in a movie because they were in a book or something okay. like that. And I was like, "Yeah, and I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. Uh, a lot of people are mad when a straight guy plays a gay guy, and I I don't think that's right. I think that's I think the best actor for the job should be. He's like, I don't know, I don't know about that. That 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 doesn't sit right with me because there's a lot of people that. Uh, actually are gay i'm like that's true they are however nobody's complaining about neil patrick harris being a womanizer on how i met your mother it's true it's a good point you know and there's other other gay actors out there that are playing straight guys i mean i'm not saying anything i'm just saying it's best actor for the job should be it right now, did you know uh have you are you familiar with miss marvel the character before you start watching the show uh, a little bit, not. Was over- she? Is she the nationality in the comic books that she is on the show now? Is that the same, or did yeah. they change that? No, that's who she is. Okay. Yeah. Well, I always thought she was Indian, but maybe she was Pakistani. I'm not sure. Okay, I was just curious because I had no history with this character at all. Um, yeah. So I was just wondering. Like I said, I don't hate it. I'm gonna give it its run through the end, but they're gonna have to really finish strong to reel me in, like to get me fully invested. Yeah, I was hoping they finished better than Moon Knight did. Moon Knight was good, but not great. Yeah, Moon Knight, I uh, yeah, it it, <laughs> it definitely did not stick to landing. I didn't think it was a great uh, the first couple episodes, but the first two episodes I think were the best ones, and it was all downhill from there. The bad thing is we're getting all this stuff just kind of pushed on us all at once. We have had eleven different Marvel projects uh, available to us since Wandavision. Okay. 11 that's crazy and worse but a lot of this was supposed to be spaced out more and then working towards the next team up movie but uh we'll we'll just have to wait and see we'll wait and see because kevin feige said everything's going to start coming together here in the next few months i think he said that recently so your people are really looking are going to be able to piece it together and see what's happening and I really, I, I personally think it's going to be the multiverse. The multiverse is going to be this this round's uh, Infinity Stones. And I think that's what's going to be happening. Now, that aside from that, I guess it, we should be careful. I don't want to complain about this golden age of uh, movies we're in right now because we are still mm-hmm. in the best time ever for movies, for, for nerds like us. And how? when's the last time you saw a sh- uh, shows, TV shows, 
and movies being kind of interchangeable. Right. I wouldn't say interchangeable is not the right word, but you go for they're a movie, then they have a TV show. Yeah, and they're interconnected. Thank you. And then they're all meshed together. That's yeah. that's that's crazy. Has that ever happened before where it's been so back and forth and they're still all connected? I don't think so because I don't even think like with Star Trek and stuff that they really connected to the movies that much. They were they were movies made from a TV show, but they didn't bounce back and forth in storylines like these do. Yeah, I love it because you're like, oh, I just watched this movie. Well, guess what? I got this show coming up, yep. and it's going to eventually tie in with that whole universe too. And uh, I do like that we're getting new characters. I like that they're willing to take risks because you are going to have – you may not hit every time. Like Moon Knight was kind of a miss for me. But you may have something that really hits. Like WandaVision for me was amazing. Yeah, and so Loki. You, you, yeah, Loki was fantastic as well. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier – was kind of midline for me yeah but uh hawkeye i really enjoyed too yeah and speaking of which have you done your homework terry what's that have you gone through obi-wan yet no dude i've been busy i I, this i've worked every day since we talked last pretty much these are excuses losers make excuses terry winners watch the show except tuesday when i Played with Ruby all day, went swimming, then took her to the bike park, watched her smash her face on the concrete. Dude. It was a great day. Don't let your good parenting get in the way of watching Obi-Wan Kenobi. No, we were, I will say that was a sad moment. I was at the Bicycle Safety Town over on Sheridan. and uh, <laughs> You already said she smashed her face. She, she wrecked at the Bicycle Safety Town? Yeah, well, it's oh, a big giant. It's no. a big park. It, right. It's what it is. A bunch of tracks where they can ride bikes around. And I'm on one side of the park, kind of by Sheridan, and this thing's like a hundred yards away where she's at. And all of a sudden, I hear in the distance, uh, kind of a scream. And I was like, "There's a, about ten seconds where I won't be able to see her from where I'm sitting." And I didn't see her, so I started running and I started jogging over there. And I kept hearing it again and getting worse. And once I could see her, and then I <laughs> full on sprint over to her oh, in man. sandals. I get over there. She's uh, got this big old swollen over her eye, forehead, ah. cheek, and it's still black and blue. It's not as bad today, but kept an eye on her, t- took care of her again. But, man, yeah, I was a little worried. <laughs> That's a little crazy. I was worried she had a concussion or something, but she really didn't show too many signs of it. But, yeah, that, that eye looked pretty messed up. It scared her to death, man. I never That's, heard her cry that hard. Yeah, that's hard to handle when your kid hurts themselves. Yeah, I'm picking her up, running to the car. This old guy's bringing the bike right behind me so I can get her. Well, grandparents live a couple minutes away, so got over there, got some ice on it. Uh, she's doing great now. Later that day, she was doing good. So, Get her back on that bike. Oh, yeah. She, while she was crying, she's like, I'm never riding again. I was like, kiddo, trust me, you, you <laughs> will ride again. I promise. It's, it's just it's scary when it happens. No, I'm not. And then, like two hours later, we're home. She's like, I want to ride my bike again. <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> not today, but I but I want to ride right, it again. Right, But yeah, uh, that was one bad thing. But yeah, we haven't got to Obi Wan. We just I let her just relax, watch wherever she wanted, and I've been working since. Dude, it's six episodes, and I'm telling you, it's. I, it's I'm gonna so watch it to- soon. All right, all right. I'm dying to talk about it, Terry. I need somebody to talk about it with. Okay, I've already talked to Zach about it. I've already talked to other people who have watched it and how much they liked it. I don't really want to go online and talk about it because I don't know. I don't want to be the person who accidentally posts spoilers. I don't want to read, 
you know, all these negative people that said, I just, I want to talk to somebody I trust about it. I need to talk to you about it. You need to watch it. Yeah, but I got a three day weekend here. Maybe we'll all right. bang it out. We'll see. All right. City so raves, Terry. Uh, speaking of shows, we've got to watch. I've, I'm all caught up on the boys, all Me seven too. episodes. Oh, I haven't watched the seventh episode yet. I'm doing that after we, we get done recording here. Dude, you got to watch it on Thursday night. Well, they... I, <laughs> I fell asleep before midnight last night. I'm an old man. You know, it's not midnight. They, they release them at like 9, 9.30, 10, something like that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Ruby was out in the, in the living room, and I'm just kind of scrolling through, and I saw, oh, episode seven. Like it's time for bed. <laughs> nah, but uh, no, nah, she was going to bed anyways. But it was just the second she was in bed, we went out and turned that on, watched that. All right, so I haven't done episode seven, but we and we really can't talk a lot about episode six, other than to say that that's one of the craziest things I've ever seen on TV in my life. It was the one of the most intense, most nuts episodes of television in history. Along with being a really excellent episode, it really was just, and that's one of the probably one of the best episodes they've had yet. And I mean, like, what what's crazy is it was, if you're familiar with the show, it is inappropriate on just about every level. Oh yeah, um, but the writing is really good. Oh yeah, the 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 way they've written these characters is just incredible because they're not two dimensional. I mean, even the ones that are over the top in what they're doing, there's a depth to each one of these uh, these characters that is, if for a show like this, it didn't have to be like that. They could have been just basic caricatures, but they're not. And they've really been impressed with the writing, and they've really, it's really hooked me in, even though there's some stuff I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that somebody let that go. <laughs> I know. And you, the, the acting in it, Carl Urban just really... It's just knocking out of the park every time he's on screen, which I, I think we've mentioned before. But the guy that plays Homelander, oh, he's yeah. he's, he's so really good. going for he's really going for it this year. I mean, the last couple seasons he was good, but this year he's like he's really getting into it, and it's his acting's really showing this. Oh one. yeah, yeah for sure. And it's hard to believe that Starlight was you know played uh, Sue Storm in the 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 failed fa- Fantastic Four movie. Which one was so. she in it? Who was she? No, that was Kate Mara, I think, that played. Are you sure? Hold um, on. All right, we're going to look this up, but yeah, I'm pretty sure. You look it up because you're faster on the Google machine than I am. And I'll talk. Google but anyway, <laughs> but Carl Urban also, what was he was in uh, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. It's a with a more shaved minor head. character. Yeah. <laughs> Dead <laughs> <to> Troy. <laughs> yes. Uh, you had yeah. one job. <laughs> Kate Mara played Sue Storm. Jessica Alba played it before that, and I'm not sure. What? Who's Starlight? What's her name? Erin Moriarty. Okay, I've seen her in something else. I thought it was Fantastic Four. Obviously, I was wrong. But anyway, there, she, her character's good. Uh, <laughs> I got to tell you, I am Team Huey. I haven't yeah. seen Episode 7 yet, so... That may change, but after it's episode six, I was Team Huey, so <laughs> we'll leave it that way. There you go. Yeah, she uh, was, uh, she, she really hadn't been on too much. Okay, so. well, I was completely wrong. But what I'm not wrong about is that we're only a couple weeks out from House of Dragons. 
Oh yeah, I'm actually been rewatching Game of Thrones. I'm up to season five again. So okay, so yeah, that's my go to sleep show. <laughs> and news dropped that there is potentially a Jon Snow uh, series coming. You think Kit Harrington would? Uh... He is the one that's talked about that there. It's in the pre-production stages. That it could happen, it could not happen, but this is the the line. It was uh, reported this last week that there's going to be a Jon Snow sequel series to Game of Thrones. You think he'd be able to carve out some time away from the MCU? Well, I mean, I, I if, the, <laughs> I get, there's a part of me that not only thinks it could happen, that thinks it should happen, that uh, MCU just says, you know what, Eternals never happened. You guys, you guys oh, are all on. crazy. The Eternals never actually happened. You didn't see that. That wasn't us. It's like it's the Miranda. They're gonna they're gonna try to engineer a Mandela effect. Be like you know how people a lot of people think that Sinbad started a movie about Shazam, yeah. Um, and everybody and it turns out he didn't. They're gonna try to engineer that. They're gonna multiverse this thing out of existence, Terry. No, they're not. They're gonna explain what, why, and everything. Why it it's sucks. all gonna. They're gonna, they're gonna it's gonna why all it fit. It's all gonna fit eventually. We just gotta wait. All right. Okay. Did you have any other raves? Yeah, to the pool again, man. We've been having fun. Got the water clear as crystal now. It's great. All right. So. Well, let's keep moving so we have time for our, to unleash our hate later on. Terry, let's get the... We need to get like a, a an intro for your Guinness World Record Report. You know, the the mm. teletype that... <laughs> Today's Guinness World Record Report with Terry. Go. That's me. That's me. Uh, YouTube personality Eric Badlands Booker of Long Island, New York, USA, has set two incredible new records for fastest time to drink one liter of soda and the fastest time to drink one liter of tomato sauce. In just 6.8 seconds, he guzzled down a liter of Mountain Dew from a measuring cup. In just 1 minute and 18 seconds, he threw back a quarter of a gallon of tomato sauce. And as if this current record weren't already impressive enough, last year he also achieved a record title for fastest time to drink 2 liters of soda in just 18 seconds. Is he shotgunning it? No, he just has it in a big cup and just goes for it. Wow. Uh, okay. And then let out a humongous burp afterwards. <laughs> I'm sure. Man, a liter of cola. I don't know. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was nicely done. A liter, yeah, I, I can have a liter of cola. I've drank some soda fast before, like maybe a 12 ounce, but 33 ounces of Mountain Dew going down. That's almost three cans worth of soda. Well, you can buy the liter bottles of Mountain Dew in the gas station. I mean, I, I can't imagine killing one of those in six seconds. I know, but man, just... Uh, I've chugged beer, and I know, I mean, i put down some beers in under two seconds before, you know, and but there's no way I'm doing three of them in six seconds. That's That's moving. Yeah, that's a long time ago I could do that. I can't do that anymore. Yeah, I don't think I could do that either. In fact, I'm not even going to try to do that. That's not one we're going to try to break. Yeah, if anybody wants to look that one up, it is online to watch it happen. It's kind of fun. Scary. The tomato sauce is kind of gross. He's doing it with a straw, I think. Tomato <laughs> I sauce through a straw? Yeah. That's a workout. Yeah. 
and just going for it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, hopefully those weren't on the same day. Yeah, same day. That's a weird trip to the bathroom later on. Yeah, this is this dude, a big, big black guy. He's like, it looks like he's like 400 pounds. And he puts out all sorts of videos like this of him just doing stuff ridiculously fast as <laughs> food and drink-wise. All right, well, let's move on, Terry, to the Todd Beamer Hero of the Week. What do we got this week, Terry, for Hero of the Week? All right, well, two Boy Scout troops from Appleton, Wisconsin. Uh, they were taking the train home from scout camp in Philmont, New Mexico, when they... When the unexpected happened, and they derailed from the tracks. They said that we felt this big jolt, and then looked out my left passenger window, and I saw smoke all over the tracks. And then there was a second jolt, and then soon later, the train cars started to tip over. Uh, After the scouts made it out of the train, they immediately began helping others. They said they looked out for any way to help and made sure passengers were okay. Once most of the scouts were on top of the train, they were trying to get people out. Uh, the assistant scoutmaster said he is proud uh, how the troops came together and started thinking of how they could help others. He said, I'm really proud of our scouts. I think they acted appropriately and quickly to help other people out. One of my first memories after we rolled over was the scouts moving windows and getting on top of the train and pulling people out. So, Wow. Yeah, a bunch of kids. That's <laughs> Some people just built better, you know? They just knew that was the right thing to do. And right. They, jumped into action as a lot of the heroes i mentioned on here <laughs> yeah. do they just jump into action and do what's right and it, it, it's those glimmers of hope for our future that it's going right. to be good but then there's some, i'm not even going to get into it but yes there's it, the glimmers of hope here's the thing terry just to circle back to what we've talked about and we'll we'll, we'll, we'll rub that we'll bunch up against that nightmare once more time but when people are face to face to each other it's completely different Oh yeah, when you see, because then you're you're forced to actually process that that's a human being, and not a, you know, an avatar on your social media app. Yeah, and that changes everything. Absolutely does. I was thinking the same thing. It's like people would not be like this if they're doing this in person. They just wouldn't. No, because there's always obviously the what we've talked about before. There's always a chance you could actually get popped in the mouth. But also because when you're standing next to somebody, you actually, you know, you're, you feel more connected to them than you do through a screen. Yeah. All right. So that's the last one. We're going to move on because now we're going on to something Terry new. I've hinted at it. I've talked about it. And it is happening. I've decided <laughs> to alternate weeks. One week, I'll do Rob's hot take. On the weeks that, that uh, Terry picks the subject, I will do Rob's hot take. On the weeks that I picked the subject, we're going to begin to outline the tenets that will support and guide the United States of Rob. Oh, boy. Here we go. These, these <laughs> are the principles that I would use to rule the country if I was in charge. If. You were in charge. If I was in charge and I had absolute power to set up the country the way I think it should be, these segments that I do will outline aspects of the United States of Rob. 
I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> first up, the very first thing. Obviously, I can't govern an entire country all by myself. We're going to have to have elected officials. I believe in democracy, Terry. Oh, good. So, how I would set up the United States of Rob. First thing I'm going to put on there is in, in regards to the governing people, not you know, not rights or whatever. The first thing, the first rule for those who wish to govern on a federal level is term limits. Get rid of them or keep them? There, no, there are no term limits right now on senators. There is on the no, president. Like, on senators yeah. and congressmen, there is not. Yeah. Now, just to give you a civics, a civics uh, review, of course, I think most people are well aware that the president serves four-year terms. He is only eligible to serve two terms. They don't have to be consecutive. Think uh, Grover Cleveland and... Uh, the fever dream of Donald Trump, who <laughs> wants to come back and become president again. Uh, Gosh. But so if president serves four-year terms, he's only eligible to serve two terms. Members of Congress, the representatives from each uh, congressional district, serve terms of two years at a time. They're elected every two years. The uh, Senate is terms of six years. Okay? Yeah. Now, here's what I propose, Terry. Is I propose the rule of 12. Which means, nope, this is how it's going to break down. It's going to take a second to explain. But it runs off of a six-year election cycle. Every two years, there's an election, but it's broken into a six-year groupings. One of the two-year elections, you're going to have a presidential election. Presidents, instead of serving two four-year terms, will serve a maximum of two six-year terms. Okay. Here's why. Every president, once they're elected, serves two years, serves up to midterms, and starts planning their re-election. Yeah. Everything that happens in that last two years of that first term is geared towards a re-election. And so, uh, that, and even if they get re-elected, that means they serve six years. But what this will change, and it's just going to be for consistency's sake, because every elected office will serve six-year terms, and each of those offices will have a two-term limit. All right. So nobody serves more than 12 years in a role. So the president, who will serve now a total of 12 years as opposed to the maximum of eight, it's almost like giving the president what would be a third term in our system. But if you think about it, They'd really have to earn it. Because after six years, you know what kind of president they are. Yeah. Well, you know what kind of president they are in a four-year term <laughs> a lot of times. But a lot of times, it's not enough time for them to do what they want to do. Yeah. Or to see the results. So what you get is you get like one guy doing something and the next guy claiming credit for it. So, Or one guy trashing something and then the, the you know blaming it on the next guy. And so... I think that this works out because a lot of it's just for consistency. Because if we really want these two these branches of government to be, you know, co-equals, then I think there should be some consistency. So, uh, and like I said, Senate and Representatives will each serve six-year terms as well. What will happen then is that you will no longer have piggybacked elections. One of the two years is a presidential election. 
one year, let's say, for example, 2024 is a presidential election. 2026 is a Senate election. 2028 would be a House of Representatives House of Representatives election. So they're staggered. So you're not yeah. replacing so you're not theoretically replacing the entire government in one November because that would be chaos. Yeah. I can get on board with that. So you you may flip every seat in the house, but so be it. You could flip every senator, but so be it. But I think what you would settle into is you would have one-term senators one-term representatives, so you'd have a lot of, well, this person is not running, so this seat is open to either side. Okay. How about, also, can I throw anything in, or is this just I a- have one more thing to bring up, and then I'm, I'm definitely going to open it up for... Uh, okay, go ahead. ...for a debate. There's also going to be age limits. You will not be allowed to participate in election... For a government, for a federal elected position, if the election occurs after you turn seventy years old, I agree with that. I was that was one of the things, one of the two things I was going to mention, because there's you you talk. I've I've met a lot of seventy year old, eighty, ninety year old people. They're set in their ways. Yeah, they're hard to change their mind. You can't. It's hard to change somebody's mind on topics that they've already decided on and the older you get the more just set in your ways you are for most people i want to just blanket statement that but it's that's just the way it is it's how our minds work yep i agree so that's it yeah uh the rule of 12 every uh senate congress president all serves six-year terms that gives you a chance to really do what you came there to do and if you don't do it everybody's like we gave you six years Either you know move out or just get out of the way, and plus that turns over huge chunks of the government every six years, and that's important. You can't have somebody like Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, Maxine Waters, uh, Lindsey Graham, Ted Cruz, all these people that have been in Congress for forty years. Yeah. 40, 50 years. Biden has been in elected positions for almost 50 years, Terry. (laughs) That's too long. It is. It is. All right, so what were your thoughts? Give give me some feedback on this tenant of the United States of Rob, this term limits plan that I have. What are your thoughts? I like the term limit plan. I think... uh, I, I was to say I think the Senate and Congress or and the House should both have limits, period. But I also uh, think that the presidential they should have a a term limit of three instead of two. But you are extending their uh, term anyways. I was thinking, hey, let's go with three, you know, because if they're still awesome after two, why would you want to get rid of them and have to move on? Yeah, and that's unfortunate. In other countries, they just you can be in power forever, which, as we see in Russia, is not a good thing. Right. <laughs> well, in recent memory, there's been two presidents that would have had an absolute uh, cakewalk of a reelection for a third term. Yeah, that's Reagan and Obama. Yeah, there's not a doubt that either one of those guys would not have lost, would not have won a third term. And in fact, you know, uh, 
Bush the first was basically trying to be an extension of Reagan. Yeah. And and uh, I'm sure Biden wishes he would have just tried to be an extension of Obama <laughs> <laughs> if he knew what he was doing, if he remembered what he did yesterday, which I'm not sure he does anymore at this point. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's I'll say one more thing. Yes. Uh, you may d- dive into this next time you bring it up, but are we going to keep the political parties? Are we are we going to oh, abolish no. those? Uh, those are going to be outlawed, but that's going to be thank, a whole different. A whole thank different, you. Uh, okay, we'll revisit it. I have to figure out. I honestly, it sounds so easy to say, "Oh, we're going to outlaw Republicans and Democrats." Well, you know, it's free speech to say I'm this or I'm that, um, and you're going to probably break down to a conservative and a liberal. But you're going to op- I want to find a way to actually word it to where it makes sense. So I'm going to have to think on that one a little bit to figure out how you would implement a a ban on political parties. Um, I would say you eliminate political party fundraising would be the biggest way to cut the, cut it off at the knees. Uh, is you don't allow super PACs. Uh, you don't. Uh, you know what I'm talking about the the PACs, the political action political action committees. You get rid of those. Um, but that's going to be tied into also campaign finance reform, which is going to be another tenant down the line of things to change. So, but yes, for right now. Our first installment of the United States of Rob just has to do with the term limits. Okay. So, ease into it. Before we get into the real technical stuff, or stuff that really is going to make people think, well, I don't want to live in that country, <laughs> which I'm sure we'll get to. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, let's get to it, Terry. Then it's time to unleash the hate. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> let's do it. Now, what I think we should do since we've taken basically our Rushmore format that we do for most of our podcasts, almost every single one of our podcasts, we've done a Rushmore of something. And we decided to just do a Rushmore episode of Movies We Hate. This could parlay eventually into music we hate, bands we hate, songs we hate. This could be something where we get to purge ourselves, you know, kind of flush out the pipes a little bit and get this stuff out of, out, you know, clean the system out and, uh, with some things that we that we despise. We'll revisit it in episode 136. 136? Yeah, that's 68 times 2. Yep. <laughs> Thank you for that math insight. <laughs> we'll I come back in long, 68 episodes. <laughs> I, lo- I love that. Long, that that long silence was meant to be the uh, the sarcastic look I was looking at Terry like thank you so much for that. <laughs> but this time we're doing movies that we hate. Now a little bit of background: these are not necessarily the worst movies ever made as far as production value or performance at the box office. That's a whole different set category. These are movies that we personally can't stand. Yeah, and so. Uh, whether or not they they made money is irrelevant. Yeah, you, whether, you, there's there's a lot of movies out there that did terrible, and you know what? We heard that they did terrible. We never saw them. <laughs> right. And there's also movies out there that did terrible that, that bombed at the box office that I love. Oh yeah, there's there's plenty of them out there too. We've probably done it. We've done a couple of them on the podcast. Sure have. Uh, but these are movies that we can't stand that we hate for whatever reason we hate them. And uh, so I think we should just go, you want to go one-on-one, go one, back and forth? Sounds good to me. Well, Terry, I will let you go first. Really? All right. I suppose we could do that. 
All right. Are you ready to go? I thought we would do... Which one are you going to do first, Terry? My first one is one I've mentioned a couple times on this podcast, and that is Mortal Kombat Annihilation. It's a sequel to the first Mortal Kombat movie in the 90s. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's go ahead and get the trailer for this and... This All right. movie, well, this movie was an absolute joke, and I rewatched the trailer, the long trailer, uh, earlier tonight, and oh my gosh, it, it the trailer even just looks abysmal. I don't know how anybody thought this was going to be a movie they wanted to see. Yeah, the audio uh, audio doesn't do that trailer justice. <laughs> no, it's so 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 bad, and so they the uh, budget for the movie. Which is astonishing to me because I saw better graphics at that time in other TV shows and movies for way less money than they spent. They spent an estimated $30 million on this movie. And somehow they made their money back and got up to $51 million. I don't understand it. That's $51 million worth of movie tickets of people that went home unhappy. (laughs) This movie sucks. Now... What was your relation to Mortal Kombat, the video game? Did, were you a big fan of the video game? I was because the first one came out in like 93, I think, because that's when I broke my arm. And I only remember that because the first time I ever played that, I broke my arm. My dad uh, said, I'm going to go to the video store, get you some movies, some video games. Which ones do you want? Something to keep me going, you know? And I said, well, I wanted to play Mortal Kombat. He comes home with it, and I play it, and... I fell in love with it. I thought that game was so much fun. Beat it the first day I had it. And then then I played the second Mortal Kombat and third one. Well, then they started coming out with these movies. And the first one was cheesy, but for a 12-year-old, it was enjoyable. It was it was a fun show and because that's what my video game is. So the characters from my video game in a movie. Right. But then Annihilation came out. <laughs> And it was an it like is absolute dumpster fire. It was horrible. I, I hated it. I I went on IMDb and got some facts I pulled from it. Okay. Uh, in separate 2012 interviews, Mortal Kombat co co creators Ed Boon and John Tobias hated the film so much they considered considered it the absolute worst experience in the, the all the years they spent working on the Mortal Kombat franchise. Oh my gosh, wow. That's how bad they thought this movie was. <laughs> Lyndon now, Ash... Oh, okay, go ahead. No, I was just going to say... Uh, go ahead with your other facts, because I was just going to talk about my experiences with the movie, too. So, <laughs> Lyndon, Ash- Lyndon Ashby, who uh, played Johnny Cage in the first movie, he was asked to return. Who's Lyndon Ashby, first of all? and uh, But he-, he turned it down because he read the script. <laughs> He, he knew from the script it was going to be awful. Uh, and one more fact, and you'll like this one. Ray Park's first film role was as Ray, Raiden's fight double in this movie. Really? I didn't know that. Wow. Darth Maul. Toad. Yeah. Yep. 
So I thought you'd like that one. Yeah. But oh, this movie sucks. It, it. I tried to watch it. I think it was. I I started it maybe fifteen times because it was a guaranteed put me to sleep movie for the weekends when I worked <laughs> early. So I got to be at work early. So eight eight thirty. I'm gonna put on Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Gone. I finally finished it. Uh, a couple months back, and the ending just sucks as much as the rest of the movie. I've never got to the ending, Terry. Oh, it's so I've started so watching it, I want to say maybe twice, I've tried to sit down and watch it. This was something that was on my, ah, forget it, you know, let me just turn this on, and because uh, I hadn't seen it, and no. Uh, I did not hate the first one, I didn't love it, it was like, ah, oh, it's, a, it's a video game movie, that's, that's cool, that's cool seeing Sub-Zero, you know, and, uh, and the ninjas, and it was cool seeing... You know the the different characters. Uh, I liked it had David Carradine, you know, in there. So it had some at least the first one had a little bit of star power, but uh, man, the second one was bad, and bad on like an offensive level. Bad, right? Uh, I would say I read some. I can't remember what it was exactly, but no video game movie has ever scored over a certain number on Rotten Tomatoes ever. Okay, because they they just don't translate well for some reason, and they they have a short life. Like somebody watching Mortal, like if my sons were to watch Mortal Kombat, they have no idea who those people are. No, uh, it's a, it's a short window of relevancy for those type of characters. I mean, not even like <laughs> like Pac Man, you know. They even did like, but Pac Man had a TV show that actually did okay, was okay, but uh, you know, it's just something like Wreck It Ralph is a, you know touches on those areas but he's not a character that was an actual video game yeah and that movie's great both of right. them were great they're enjoyable movies we watched them a dozen times uh what was the other one street fighter came out about the same time as mortal Kombat did and it was horrible too but i mean it was it was what it was it? yeah it was what it was but mortal Kombat and street fighter neither one's better than the other i don't think but then the, this one was just miles away further down the list. So bad. If you had to give it, now I didn't. We didn't talk about this. Uh, <laughs> what's a good way? We should have talked about this because of movies we hate. Obviously, using like a five star system is going to be meaningless because they're always one out of a hundred. One out of a hundred. <laughs> you would give that's it one how, out of a hundred stars. That's how Metacritic does it. It averages out all the critics' reviews. It gives it a number out of a hundred. Kind of like Rotten Tomatoes, you know. I'm thinking of more of a "Would you rather"? Let's do it. Oh, okay. Let's do it. Would you? Would you rather watch this movie again from start to finish after having you know caffeined up? You have no hope of sleeping through it. Okay. Or being kicked in the groin. God, I, I'd watch this. I'd watch pretty much anything and being kicked in the groin. Come on, that sucks. That pain. That pain lasts what five minutes? Depends on who's doing the kicking. Good point. All right. Well, I thought we'd be interesting about it, but I couldn't go with anything better. But uh, <laughs> so, but this I like is not the gonna... idea, though. I like the idea. Okay. Maybe we'll get better as we go. Maybe I'll. Now that I'm thinking in those terms, maybe it'll ha- I'll be able to think of it a little bit better as we go. Uh, <laughs> If, in other words, if you have not seen Mortal Kombat Annihilation, don't waste your time. No. No. Don't waste your time. It's awful. All right. Well, first up on my list, uh, like I said, I mentioned before that I broke my list down into almost like categories. Uh, not necessarily that they're each movie is a different category because two of them. Okay. Well, look. 
This one, there's this one. I'll just say the category. This one is, and we'll go each category as we get to it. This one is a movie that was actually okay and had one of the worst endings I've ever sat through. Yeah. I'm gonna play the trailer. That movie's called The Green Inferno. And I'm gonna play that trailer for you right now. I think I'm gonna play the trailer for you right now. There we go. <laughs> can't just go invade a country because they're doing something that we think is immoral. I know. I just think I should be doing something about the rainforest. It's time to make a difference. To give you the highlights, they're in a plane right now, flying over the rainforest, and their plane is now crashing. They're going down to save the rainforest. The visuals are this plane crashing horribly and very scary. This is probably better if we had a video <laughs> podcast. By, uh... It's from Eli Roth. The director of Hostel. Comes his most terrifying film ever. They're sharpening tools. They're seeing skeletons. What are they going to do to us? They're going to eat you. That sound you heard? <laughs> okay, well, this is mostly a visual. Mostly a visual uh, trailer. Probably not the best idea, but it's a movie about cannibals. These group of, of do-gooders. Uh, head down. A group of student activists travel to the Amazon to save the rainforest and soon discover that they are not alone and that no good deed goes unpunished. So uh, what happens is the plane crashes. They're picked up by this native tribe. As they're captured, uh, one of their friends is is sick and the tribe grabs him and takes him and they seem to be trying to help him and they put these others into a cage and they watch as the tribe begins to, this was horrific, to dismember this guy while he's still alive. And then they proceed to eat him and cook him and eat him. Uh, so, I don't know how, you know, I like scary movies. Mm-hmm. This one actually is a very interesting take because inside they don't paint the tribe's people as being just flat out evil. Because what you see after that first scene, which is like, oh my gosh, it's like every scary, you know, hidden Amazon jungle tribe type of movie you've ever seen before, cannibal movies you've ever seen before. But actually, as they're doing that, they're showing, like, they're teaching the kids how to prepare the food. There's, like, a, it's like a, you know, it's a community. Right on. But they're vicious. And they're, you know, they, they tag one girl because she is, they determine she's pure, undefiled. Mm-hmm. So they have her marked for some kind of ceremony. And she is the, what horror movies, the trope of the final girl. She's the final girl. She's the only survivor. Lots of stuff happens between Here's where the movie loses me, Terry. And here's why it's become a movie I hate. This group of uh, tribes people kill all of her friends, 
in brutal ways, in just terrifying ways. And they try to kill her. All right. And when she gets out of there, she escapes. She's picked up. She's taken back to the real world. These people uh, are debriefing her about what happened to her and all her friends. Because she's the only one that makes it out of there. And she lies to them. And says, everybody else died in the plane crash. She said, these tribes people found me. They helped me, they saved me, and they took me, they, they brought me back to safety. What? The point of the movie turned out to be that it's better to leave the rainforest alone and let this happen. That's more important than the people that just ate your friends. It was making a statement. It was a tree hugger movie that they're saying that it's more important to leave this land undefiled than to have any kind of judgment on these people that just brutally tortured the dude. The first dude was still alive while they were taking parts off of him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, she lied and said that they saved her when they were trying to kill her the whole time, just to stop the halt of this construction thing that was going through the Amazon. That's fun. And I was just so mad at the end of that movie because of the fact that it was such an interesting movie. It was so interesting. It was an interesting take on this type of like cannibal scary movie. And they busted the landing. They blew it. They blew it. God, I hate when movies do that. And I think it might have even been you that it said you were interested in seeing this movie. And I think I wanted to see it. And I believe you told me don't bother. On Green Inferno? <laughs> I think yeah, this so. movie made me angry. <laughs> it made me angry because I was like, oh my gosh, no, they didn't. They could have done anything. Because, I mean, there was interesting characters. The one man who was the head of their expedition turned out to be just a horrible, horrible person. And seeing people under tension and seeing them break and seeing them, you know, how different people would respond to that level of stress, it was so. I think they did a really good job of writing those characters out. of you know, giving each of them a different kind of reaction to what was going on around them. And to end it like that, so stupid. I was just, I was furious. Yeah, I I was furious. Uh, Yeah. So now on that one, I guess I would, if we're doing, I'm doing, I would give that a 50 out of 100 for the regular part of the movie, but a zero out of 100 for the ending alone. I don't know how you would weight it. But it makes me mad because you invest so much of your time in that movie. You know, another one was kind of like that, but it was they did it better. You can have an ending that is a twist without ruining the rest of the movie. Do you ever watch the movie The Mist? You liked that ending? I thought it was an interesting take. I was, it was it was surprising. I was like, oh man, it was a horrible ending for the, oh, yeah. for the man involved. But it was like it didn't make me feel like I'd wasted my time. Yeah, it was. I was like, it, oh no, it was gut wrenching. Yeah, because you're like, oh no, he didn't just kill everybody else, and then yeah, and he, he was five seconds from freedom. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, uh, well, there was a book. No, I can't think of it now. I'm not can't bring it up. But there was I've read books like that where a guy died. He was suffered the 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 north. It was in Alaska and someplace, and he was fighting to get his way home, and he died like thirty feet from his door. Hmm. And so, you know, he almost made it. And that was kind of like what the mist is. So, yeah, The Green Inferno is on my list because it's one of the best. That movie was a movie that was should have been good 
and ruined the ending, and that landed on my list. Well, if we're going to go with that, then I know what movie I'm going to do next. Which one is it? And that is the movie Knowing with Nicolas Cage. Here we go. A list of numbers unearthed in a time capsule has been buried in the ground for five decades. Predicted every global disaster of the past 50 years. It's more than that, isn't it? But it also warns for those still to come. The numbers are the key to everything. Nicolas Cage. Get off the train. Knowing. Rated PG-13 in theaters March 20th. Now this movie, it had an interesting premise. I was, I was kind of excited about it because they open up this time capsule, and it's fifty years old, and they pull out these papers, and this kid, his kid, takes it home with him. You know, just like, hey, you weren't supposed to take that home with you. You should have left that there. Well, but don't you think these numbers mean something? Well, Nicholas Cage, MIT guy, he he's looking at this and he starts deciphering them and breaking them down and he realizes that their dates and how many casualties from past major disasters in human history and over the last couple hundred years or something like that and he's like it's exactly right over and over and over again and it says that the next number on here is going to be take place in two days and there's going to be 81 people that die Sure enough, there's a plane crash. 81 people die. And you're thinking, oh, this is kind of cool. You know, he might be able to predict the future, maybe stop the future, something right. like that. And it... Yeah. It, it was one of those movies that got me excited because it just sounded cool and then just angered me slowly as it went through <laughs> the movie. I, increasingly angry throughout the movie. Uh, it's like... Because the ending was just just the coup de gras just killed me completely. I was just like, this is just awful. And it just well, let's hear what this guy said. Ty Burr of the Boston Globe said, starts off mildly ridiculous, ascends to the full blown ludicrous, and finally sails boldly off the edge of the absolutely preposterous. <laughs> that's, that's an outstanding review. Yes, it so it ends up being something to do with aliens or some BS. And the end of the world. Right. So, it, just the way they get there is just, it's, it angers me. I felt this way with uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah. About halfway, you're like, they're not going to do aliens, are they? They're not They're not going the alien route, are they? No, they're not. No, they're not. And you, you sit there and wonder if they're going to for about 30 minutes or so. Yeah. And then you finally realize, damn it, that's where they're going. <laughs> I didn't hate the aliens aspect of Crystal Skull. I hated just how bad the movie was put together. Yeah, and it just wasn't done well. Yeah, that I mean the Tarzaning through the jungle and landing exactly on the truck about a mile away. No yeah. freaking way would anybody attempt that or land that in a million tries. Right. But anyways, that's but this movie sucks. This uh no <laughs> this was awful. Uh Guy Robert e- Roger Ebert was the only person out of all the critics that enjoyed this movie. He gave it a glowing review. No kid loved it. And you look at all the reviews. There's Roger Ebert at the top with like the highest review, and then nobody's even close to him. 
Oh, jeez. Gosh. How did it do at the box office? Oh, that's a good question there, Sir Rob. I'll take While you're look. looking that up, I forgot to mention that Green, uh, the Green Inferno was made on a budget of $5 million. Okay. Uh, took in $7 million U.S. and $12.5 million worldwide. So it made its money back, but it didn't make a whole lot of waves. Uh, the premise of knowing must have really attracted people to the box office because it cost $50 million to make. They worldwide grossed $183 million. I remember this movie being a thing. I remember people talking about it coming out, about an end-of-the-world thing. I remember being, and this, I, my memory could be faulty on this, Terry, but for some reason, I never caught the aliens being the reason of the end of the world. I took it as a, when I went in to see it, because I don't remember, if, I think I did see it at the theater. Either I saw it at the theater or I rented it. But, uh, well, yeah, there's the other two options. Two options but I thought it was going to be more along a spiritual nature of end-of-the-world type of a thing. And I was, uh, I remember being disappointed. Yeah, with the it, way they went, it was a joke. This is this is dumb. It was one of those that it bothered me, and it made my list because I remember how mad I was at the end of it. How mad I, how I increasingly got mad throughout of it. That one stuck with me, and that's why it made my list. All right. I mean, uh, it, like, like we said, it's not the worst movie ever, but it just really frustrated me. Absolutely, I understand. All right, on to my next on the list, All and right. that this movie falls under the category of I dis I hated it because it's not only uh, what's the right word. I'm sorry, I'm looking, I'm searching for the right word. Not only is it not realistic, but the way they went about doing the unrealistic was offensive as well. So not only were they attempting to do something which is is not realistic and and in on the face value, the way they went about achieving it was offensive also, and that movie is G.I. Jane. Sixty <laughs> percent of you will not pass this course. Provocative, intelligent, brilliantly directed with outstanding performances. When I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. To me more. The more everybody fights with me, the more I want to gut it out. G.I. Jane, rated R. All right. Whoops. Thought I hit pause. <laughs> now, I know you brought this up before on the podcast, so. Yes, we've, we briefly talked about it, but I thought it was important to come back again and kind of just go a little bit deeper into what. G.I. Jane was released on August 22nd, 1997. Uh, it was made on a budget of $50 million. It brought in $48 million. It was not released worldwide. And so it took a $2 million loss at the movie theaters. I'm sure it made that $2 million back up on DVDs eventually. So I'm sure it cleared and got into the black. But definitely not considered a hit by any stretch of the imagination, starring, of course, Demi Moore as the aforementioned G.I. Jane. Viggo Mortensen was in this movie, and Bancroft, and then I mentioned we were going to bring him up again, Jim Caviezel was also in this movie. All right. The uh, quick one-paragraph synopsis, a female senator succeeds in enrolling a woman into combined reconnaissance team training where everyone expects her to fail. Basically, the Navy SEALs is what they're talking about, mm -hmm. and 
Here's where I have a problem. There are so many parts of this movie that are condescending to both men and women in the way their stereotypical portrayals are made. Uh, the one thing that I brought up when we, when we talked about this with our wives during the Dirty Dancing uh, podcast was the fact that in order for her to accomplish and achieve what she wanted to do, she was required in the movie to give up everything about her that was feminine. And that she had to, in essence, become a man to succeed, which I think is an entirely offensive message to send. Yep. There are, I'm of the opinion, you can call me old-fashioned if you want, that men and women are different. That we have different qualities we bring to the table. That's not to say that one is better than the other, or that one cannot do the things that the other one does. There are plenty of women out there who operate in male-dominated fields, and there are plenty of men out there who operate in female-dominated fields. There are parents who are men and women who have to control, or not control, but have to uh, operate on both sides of mother and father because the other is not there. There are single dads. There are much more single moms that operate in this way. So the condescending nature of how they talk about this, the way they bring out and seem to highlight the uh, lowest common denominator in the people that she uh butts up against but also there's one scene in particular that's just kind of i'm like it was played to be this empowering moment and i really just didn't think it was i thought it was ridiculous is where she is confronted in the shower by her uh commanding officer her training sergeant i can't remember which one he was but he's in the shower she's showering and he walks in in the shower and she's defiant and I understand that that she's she she turns around and faces him, and he does this whole leering, looks her up and down, and then walks out. And I just thought the whole scene was supposed to be what that she's supposed to be so bad, she's supposed to be so evolved that it doesn't matter that she's standing, you know, in front of this guy. It doesn't matter that he's checking her out like that. Maybe it doesn't phase her, but for to make him like be lecherous in that manner just because he doesn't want her there, and for her to have this shining achievement of being that she's so far into this course of action that she doesn't even act like a woman anymore is just, I thought, was ridiculous. Yeah. I thought this, I thought this movie was offensive on many levels, uh, and the way that they just kind of, in a span of two weeks, she goes from being just a normal, everyday soldier to being a superhero in, in physical strength and endurance that she didn't have just weeks before. All of a sudden, now she does. I didn't buy that either. Yeah, I mean, I saw it once when it came out and didn't think it was anything special. It's like, I get what they're trying to do, and it's obvious, but it just never vibed with me at all. I just, it, I didn't care for it, and I wouldn't so go so far to say I was offended by it, but I was, yeah, I, I don't know. And it treats the military like it's some kind of, terrible place too that's not how the military yeah. is there are people in the military that were like that especially in the 90s 80s and 90s as you go through that there was when as you're integrating women into uh different parts of the military that they had been there before there was some friction but i was in a unit that was going through that in the 90s in the mid 90s when i was at fort drum is when they first started to allow women into infantry units i had an ncoic a sergeant who was brought in who was a female who was put in that infantry unit, and she didn't get treated like that. There weren't guys trying to basically, you know, molest her or, you know, peeping Tom on her. And she didn't act like she was better than anybody else. She was the first to – she worked just as hard as everybody else, 
and she would she was trying to live up to the same standards that everybody else lived up to, but it was not like this. And I think that's what bothered me more than anything. Yeah, they, they got to do it to put drama into the movie. That's all it is, right. and then it makes everybody else look bad in reality. And yeah, I don't, I didn't care for it too much. All right, so that was my second pick, Terry. Where are we going next for yours? Well, do you want do you want action or you want a rom com? Which of those next two movies do you hate the most? Uh, well, I didn't say my worst one for last. I, I let off with that. That's probably the Mortal Kombat one. But okay. uh, out of these two, uh, pick the lesser, the one you hate the less, to go next. All right, we'll go with the Notebook. All right, here we go. Let's pull it up. Uh, well, I wouldn't have it. I didn't have it queued exactly right this time. Yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? Yeah, listen to this stupid music already. It was a magical summer. <laughs> Noel was a country boy. Allie was from the city. Of course, she was. They had nothing in common. But after seeing Allie that night, something inside Nova snapped. I already want to vomit. Will you go out with me? No! Damn, my head's slipping. Okay, fine. I'll go out with you. Well, don't do me any favors. No, I don't want to. Say it again. I want to go out with you! All right, all right. We'll go out. Should we notice she's with another guy in that scene? Yes. They fell in love, didn't they? Yes, they did. Do you want to dance with me? Sure. This is a good story. I've heard it before. No. I could drink. Not. <laughs> what do you do, Noah? I work at the lumber yard. How much do you make at your job? 40 cents an hour? What? It has got to stop. Noah? He's a nice boy, but he is not for you. I see how it's gonna work. You are not to see him anymore, and that's final. They were told they couldn't be together, Terry. Yeah. Nicholas that's a movie trope of all movie tropes. How's about that date? comes a story. It's normal not to forget your first love, but I want you for myself. Marry me. About what we long for. I saw your picture in the paper, and I just wanted to see if you were okay. What we settle for. I have a fiancé waiting for me. This trailer's too long for me, Terry. Yeah. You can cut it off at any time, and we'll be fine. (laughs) I'll just say that the movie isn't too long enough. Is the movie's longer than the trailer? I'm already out. Online Cinema presents Ryan Gosling, Rachel McAdams, James Garner, Jenna Rollins, James Marsden, with Sam Shepard and Joan Allen. In Good people. Casavetti's film. I read to her, and she remembers. And I love James Garner. Oh, yeah, yeah. If there's any saving grace in this movie, it's James Garner. He just—he has a good presence on screen. But anybody who hadn't seen the Notebook, uh, it starts off with—I've only seen this the one time, and that was one too many. But it starts off with James Garner's character reading to his wife. Uh, I believe she's in a nursing home, and she's got Alzheimer's. She doesn't remember anything, so he basically is reading the, a story of how these two people came together. Which it's obviously those him and his wife. Okay. Uh, and he's reading her this story, and starts from the very beginning and how everything worked out to where they finally ended up together. And so after he's reading to her for a little bit, it cuts back to 
the forties or whatever it was when they met and everything that goes along with it and all the trials and tribulations that you've seen in a thousand other romance movies. And I I knew at the time I watched that. I said, Here's what's gonna happen. I was ten minutes in the movie. I said, Here's what's gonna happen. He's gonna finish reading this whole thing and it's gonna get to the end of the movie. She's gonna all of a sudden remember everything. Because that's how Alzheimer's works, apparently. And right. and then they're going to die together. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never seen this movie, Terry. I don't so think now, you ever... I don't, you don't need to. No, I don't need to. <laughs> you would have figured it out, too. But, I mean, the... I don't know, man. It's just it's so sappy. I mean, it's not as critically panned as the other movies I've talked about on here. Okay, but it's so so heavy-handed with the sappiness that it distracts from the movie for me. Um, I mean, I think what made me hate it more was how everyone, mostly women, talked about how unbelievably amazing this movie was. And I've told you before on the podcast, I don't mind a well-made chick flick. I mean, there's plenty of right. them out there. I, We've talked th- about that several times. Yeah, there's some of them that are just really really good. This was not one of them. And, uh, it was like, it was, I don't know, it was really obvious that they were trying to direct the viewer, but, so you could, you knew they wanted you to go along with them a certain way, but you were already a step ahead of them the entire way through the movie, which... I gotcha. (laughs) I mean, you saw every step coming throughout the whole movie, what was gonna happen, and it just seriously takes away from everything. And knowing what that they're going to be together in the end, anyways, okay, <laughs> that's dumb. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. It, it just those the the hard thing that that rom coms or these you know romantic movies have is that they you know the ending as soon as you sit down. In many cases, the whole point of the movie, you know, the journey of how they get there, is supposed to be. But if that doesn't do it, and they try to leave the the will they or won't they as the the surprise of the movie, it's going to fail every time. Yeah, there was a movie called, I think it was also by, this is a Nicholas Sparks novel originally. Okay. And then he also, I, I don't quote me on this, but I think he did a fault, The Fault in Our Stars as well. And I Sounds read, right. I read the premise to that movie and knew how it ended. I read the premise <laughs> to the movie and knew how it ended. And, and I'm going to ruin it for you, too, because it's hilarious. So, there's a two young couple. They uh, they both got cancer. Uh, the girl's got it way worse and is really struggling. And I say, if I'm reading that, oh, they're going with their love thing here. It's like, guarantee he dies before she does at the end of the movie. And I, I think I was talking to somebody at work, like, how did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's obvious. That's clearly how it's going to end. There's no you know, way the she's one, dying first. The one romantic rom-com type movie, I think... I don't even know if the, the Notebook counts as a rom-com. It's not a rom-com, so I shouldn't say it like that. No, it's a romance movie. It's a romance movie. Uh, so I guess it's not even really the same category. Chick, chick flick. Yeah, but... I guess what I was thinking, this one could be an anti But you never see the movie The Breakup with Jennifer yeah. Aniston and Vince Vaughn? That, that was a movie, fun movie. That movie subverted your expectations because they don't end up together at the end of the movie. No. So, 
but they end up with doppelgangers of each other, which I thought was a nice twist. Uh, I don't know if that was the actual ending or if it was an alternate ending. I can't remember now at that point. But, yeah, no, I've never been subjected to the notebook, and the reason I never watched it is because no one ever told me it was worth watching. Yeah. I never heard from a, a source that I trust about movies that said it was good. No, it's and, not. Uh, so I apparently have not missed out on anything. Yeah, the, I mean, acting was fine, but just you knew how it was going to end, and you knew what was going to happen every step of the way, and that's it just takes away from the movie completely. And like I said, people gushing over it was what made it worse for me. I was like, you guys are all crazy. <laughs> all right, well, then that brings me up to my next one, Terry, if you are prepared. Oh, yes. To take a trip to Gotham City. All right. And I'm not being good at queuing these up right to the beginning. <laughs> You'll get there. I want a car. Chicks dig the car. This is why Superman works alone. God. You knew George Clooney hated this. <laughs> a world at risk. Batman will watch his beloved Gotham perish. Just what I had in mind. Everything dead on Earth except us. Yes. Girl of my dreams. Come join me. Forget the geriatric bat. A partnership. Robin, no! In crisis. Reckless, and you almost got killed by freeze tonight. All you could think about was poison ivy. <laughs> How are we supposed to work together if you won't trust me? A family. There's friction between Batman and Robin, Terry. Holy friction. Oh my gosh, I forgot. You can't see it. The scene of them surfing off the explosion. Yeah. In the air. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. There's nothing left to see in here. Yeah. Batman, I mean, George Clooney, I, I the trailer I watched, he just goes, I am Batman. Like, he couldn't care less that he was saying that he was Batman. <laughs> like, I hate my life right now. Why am I doing this movie? We are talking about Batman and Robin, released on June 20th, 1997. Starring George Clooney as Bruce Wayne and Batman, Chris O'Donnell as Robin, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze, and Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy, and Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl. Uh, made on a budget of $125 million, <laughs> which I don't know where they spent it, but half of that had to go to Arnold. Uh, it brought in 107 million in the U.S. and ended up uh, bringing in 238 million worldwide. Um, I don't know how advertising is king because this movie was advertised out to Wazoo. Yep, they spent mo- most of that budget. That budget, production budget, had to be for advertising because this movie looks stupid. It sounds horrible. The sound effects 
the sound effects and the music in this movie are terrible. Yeah. They're terrible. Yeah. Uh, the script is you could literally uh, throw Yahtzee tiles in a bag and toss them across the floor and come up with better dialogue than this movie had. You heard some of it there in the trailer, but there's some that got even worse throughout the movie. Uh, the costumes in this movie are just pathetic. The stupid black and silver Batman, Robin, and Batgirl costumes that this movie ends on that's supposed to be the highlight is some of the worst things you'll ever see. The, Terry, this movie almost killed superhero movies. Yeah, it was not good. It was not good at all. And when I was a kid, I enjoyed it because I was a kid and I didn't know any better. <laughs> As I matured, I realized what a train wreck this movie was. It's overly cheesy and too cartoony to take it seriously. Yeah, it's it's not even attempting to be grounded in any kind of actual reality at all. Now, I'm not expecting every superhero movie to be the Dark Knight. That's unrealistic in and of itself. This movie doesn't even try to be a good comic book setting style movie. Yeah. It's it's just it's ridiculous. Mr. Freeze, his one-liners got so old. Yeah. So fast. Yeah, they sure uh, did. And he you didn't believe him as a villain at all in that movie. He they really didn't do the writing right for that one. Because Arnold, I would like to see Arnold as an actual villain in that movie. That would have been cool. Yeah. But he ends up being the one that saves the day at the end, you know, and it's Yeah. It's dumb. Uh, Mr. Freeze is a character that should have gotten more love in the movie. Yeah, because his he was ridiculous. His whole outfit was ridiculous. The science behind his outfit, the science. Now, obviously, when you get into comic books, they they stretch the uh, your your suspension of disbelief a lot of times really far, and that's fine. But you got to have you got to follow your own rules in your world that you develop, and this movie doesn't do that. There are so many action sequences that are so far outside of what could be considered in any way plausible. Like like I just mentioned in this the Batman and Robin surf out this out of the sky after an explosion. Yeah. Uh Mr. Freeze has some kind of cold light that shines on him that keeps his temperature down while yeah. he's in prison. There's a know. light bulb that shines on him that keeps him cold. I don't get it. Uh his his worst one liner is my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy. Somebody write, got paid to write that, Terry. Chill. 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 <laughs> Come on. And the coup de grace. The, uh, I mean, even worse than, than Freeze's final, his gun that freezes all of Gotham, that they somehow reversed by using satellites and mirrors to reflect the sun. Yeah. Onto Gotham like a laser beam. And uh, even worse than that. The worst part of this movie, the movie that would have made me hate it if the rest of it had been Dark Knight, is when they're Batman and Robin are at a charity event and Poison Ivy has auctioned off a date with her to the highest bidder. And these people have been, all of a sudden, Batman bids $1 million. And then, then Dick Grayson bids $2 million. Batman says to him, you don't have it, $3 million. Uh, Robin replies back, I'll borrow it from you. $4 million. Batman says uh, something like, 
something else. And just he says five million dollars, and he whips out. I'm not lying. Yeah, I'm not making this up. He whips out a Batman credit card. I remember that. That was a so Batman stupid. American Express. And then he actually says, "Don't leave the cave without it." And I was just like, "I'm done. I'm done with this. There's no way this this movie's not even watchable." Nope. Nope. It's stupid. And she, I saw it as a kid, so it was it was funny to me and everything. But as an adult, I've tried to watch it, and oh gosh, this sucks. And you're <laughs> so right, Clooney muddy. is just—he's slumming it in this movie. Yeah, he's phoning it in, and you can tell he's he's gone on to talk about this movie before. He's apologized for this movie, as has I think Joel Schumacher's also apologized for just how bad this movie is. My only shining spot in this movie, I thought Uma Thurman's acting was great. That's a good point because she knows what movie she's in. She's the only person in this movie who realizes what's going on. And she actually is like, okay, I'm just going to go for it then. I'm going to be as ridiculous as possible. And she's the only one who fits in this movie. Although, the knock on her is, what kind of costume design was hers? The whole She spends most of the movie looking like she's going to a, a, a step aerobics class. Yeah, that's not on her, though. That's not on her, but come on. <laughs> yeah. That- and Bane. The Bane that they decided on for this movie was offensively bad. <laughs> Bane is the guy who breaks Batman's back in the comic books. He's the... the and even in the movies, Bane is a terrific villain character. In this movie, he's a roided-up scrawny little dude who doesn't ever speak and he's like uh poison ivy's attack dog come on yeah that was a joke writing was terrible yeah that is batman and robin and that that movie is just when i said my movies had categories that movie has there are no redeemable qualities to this movie and it should have been a movie i would like and there's nothing about it i like yeah, it it sucks. It's it's terrible from start to finish. I want to try to just like just go into it and just enjoy it and knowing how cheesy it is, but even then it's just not good. It's, it's not even one of those movies that's so bad it's good. It's just it's unwatchable. It is yeah. unwatchable. For sure. All right, Terry. Next up for you. Yep. Is Whoop, I see. <laughs> Hold on. My mistake. Here we go. Super Mario Brothers, right? That's right. All right, here we go. Already hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on here, Terry. What's exactly? <laughs> They're brothers, they're plumbers. Was that a dinosaur? Don't get me started. It was a dinosaur. A little one. Yeah. That's supposed to be Yoshi. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I feel bad for our listeners that can't see what I'm seeing. 
It's really not good. Yeah, you can stop it. It's terrible. All right. All right. Okay. So, Super Mario Brothers was all the rage in the mid to late 80s, early 90s. Every Almost everybody on the planet had seen or had heard of Mario, and every kid knew who Mario was. And it was the video game that everybody wanted to play. It was far and away the most popular for a while. But this movie, whoever wrote this, I didn't look that up, but whoever wrote it just must not have even tried to look into it at all. Just said, give me the names of the characters and let's I'll write something. Uh, check it out. So Bob Hoskins plays Mario and John Leguizamo, John Leguizamo plays Luigi. Uh, the full name of those characters is Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. What? They're the Mario Brothers. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yes. That was irritating. Uh, they just go way off the rails. The It was a husband and wife couple, I think, that directed the movie. And they didn't know what they were doing the entire time. And everybody said that it was just... It was awful. Um... Everybody that worked on the movie said they'd have no clue what's going on. Even at one point, these directors, their agent came on set and they got a yelling match. And the agent ordered the directors off the set because they were so stupid. So, I don't know. I don't know. It, it was dumb. It was, it was, it was ridiculous. I, uh. I mean, I tr- I've, I tried to watch it when I was a kid, and I, this is a movie that when I was a kid, I hated it. I hated it then, and I, I've never gone back and watched it now. I probably never will. Ruby's asked me to watch it when she's seen it streaming. I'm like, oh, gosh, you don't want any part of this movie. It's <laughs> don't so do dumb. It. Don't do it. All right, I did go dig up some fun facts on this movie. All right, uh, let's hear it. Bob Hoskins didn't know that the film he was making was based on a game until his son asked him what he was working on. When Hoskins mentioned the film's title, his son immediately recognized it and showed him the game on his own Nintendo. <laughs> That's well. The game was probably better. Yeah. Uh, in 2007, uh, John Leguizamo's autobiography states that he and Bob H- Hoskins hated working on the film and frequently would get drunk to make it through the experience. So if you're watching it, they're probably hammered. <laughs> they both... Uh, apparently knew the movie would turn out bad, so they tried to make the best of it. Uh, he also stated that he felt one of the biggest reasons the movie turned out the way it did was because the directors wanted a more, quote, adult movie, while the studio, considering the source material, was looking for a children's film. Wow, yeah, that's a little bit of friction right there. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. The whole movie didn't make any sense. Uh, Dennis Hopper, who plays Bowser... <laughs> If you've seen the picture of Dennis Hopper in this movie, there is nothing like Bowser. Bowser's a dragon who breathes fire, basically, of some sort. Not exactly a dragon, but something like that. Right. This is just a regular dude with, like, spiky hair. All right? He explained what Dennis Hopper explained why he did the film. He said, I made a picture called Super Mario Brothers, and my six-year-old son at the time, he's now 18, he said, Dad... I think you're probably a pretty good actor, but why did you play the terrible guy King Koopa in Super Mario Brothers? And I said, well, Henry, I did not I did that so you could have shoes. And he said, Dad, I don't need shoes that badly. 
A six-year-old. <laughs> That's awesome. And here's another fun fact. You're this. Tom Hanks was considered for the role of Luigi. What? But the failures of Turner and Hooch and Joe versus the Volcano led the studio to believe that he was no longer a box office draw. Wow, that is so weird on so many different levels. Yep. Wow. Well, that could have sunk. We may never have had the good Tom Hanks if he had taken this role. Right? Because this came out in 93. That's when Philadelphia came out. So, And that really... Can you imagine those two movies being released in the same year if they both starred Tom Hanks? <laughs> Gosh. Wow. Take all my money in my account. Don't release that movie. Yeah. That'd be like Stallone trying to hide his adult film that he made, supposedly, and, and trying to make it disappear. So, yes, this movie was based on a video game, and it had nothing at all to do with the video game. At all. They, they plugged in a few things that were similar. They have little dinosaur men with the heads, or they, they look like reptiles or something. I'm guessing those are supposed to be the Koopa Troopa. I can't even remember. Uh, but they're they're terrible. Uh, maybe they're Goombas, which are the little mushroom guys. I don't know. All right. It doesn't make any sense. You watch this, and you're lost in like two seconds. It's it makes zero sense, and it never comes together at all. Here's the thing. You know what? Movies like this get made because the studios assume that there's a name recommend name recognition. And it's considered like an, what we would call nowadays an IP. It's an intellectual property that has value. So they're assuming that people could come out to see a movie. Like they made the Emoji movie. Yeah. One of the stupidest movies ever made. They made it because automatically people already know the things that are in it. And so I think this is another one of those where... A, how many of those movies have actually worked where they've done something like that? Where they've reverse engineered a movie into out of something that was known in another medium... And have been successful. Uh, yeah, you think I, I'm starting to think like the board games, like that Clue was. Uh, okay. that was a decent. That was kind of fun to watch. It wasn't the best, but it was it was a fun watch. Okay. Uh, but yeah, there's. It's not. I would say the failure rate is high. I say it's a higher, more movies bomb than succeed from that format. Because yeah, for every Clue, you get Battleship. Yeah. You know <laughs> which. Is just a bizarre movie to begin with. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any other ones, but I don't know. This movie was made on a budget of 48 million, and they said they went way over budget on everything because it just they couldn't figure anything out. And Dennis Hopper was expecting to be down there like five, seven weeks. He ended up being down there more than double that when he was filming it. Uh, it grossed 20 million worldwide. That's a big loss. And I'm sure they didn't make that money back up because it was it was so, so, so bad. <sighs> well, it's been a long time since I've even played Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. So I, I would have a hard time now even watching and even understanding what the jokes were going to be or what, there was, what was going on. And I lived through that era. Yeah. I said Mortal Kombat Annihilation was the worst one on here, but that's because I actually finished it recently. But I remember being a kid and thinking Super Mario Brothers was stupid. So I it, it probably is worse than Mortal Kombat. <laughs> you might be right. Uh, and there's probably not as many cool fight scenes in <laughs> in Super Mario Brothers as there might be in Mortal Kombat yeah. Annihilation. It really, you could just tell they did not even try. They didn't even try to make it like the game and more fun. And 
they just it was like in a dark streets and wherever they were but it's <laughs> what the it doesn't make any sense there's no dark streets in mario it's just well lit up world you know make it more of a fantasy movie it doesn't have to take place in uh what looks like reality somewhat all right whatever all right so that's that's uh let's recap your uh movies then terry that you've had so far because i've got one left Mm -hmm. so so far your list of movies you hate has been mortal kombat annihilation super mario brothers notebook and knowing all right so a little bit all two com two video game movies one uh romantic movie and one unclassifiable movie yeah (laughs) (laughs) so all right well that brings us to our last one which is my movie, and I said before I've had categories for my movies. Uh, this category falls under movies I hate so much they should be scrubbed clean off the face of the earth. All record of them existing should be wiped away. Every physical copy should be destroyed and buried in ground, and the earth is salted over it so nothing can grow there. And I would simply, for because you're not gonna fit all that on a on a placard, just an abomination. Yeah. And we are talking about Sweet Home Alabama. Do I not have the sound on? What's going on here? Nah, it's okay. <laughs> what is going? Well, <laughs> all right. Well, that all failed miserably maybe my speaker quit working but uh i don't know <laughs> but yeah, the other ones worked. how does give you a synopsis then all right let's see uh melanie carmichael an up and rising fashion designer in new york has gotten almost everything she wished for since she was little she has a great career and the jfk like fiance of new york city but when he proposes to her, she doesn't forget about her family back down south. More importantly, her husband back there who refuses to divorce her ever since she sent divorce papers seven years ago. To set matters straight, she decides to go to the south quick and make him sign the papers when things don't turn out the way she planned them. She realizes that what she had before in the south was far more perfect than the life she had in New York City. All right. But Melanie Carmichael has it all. Seven years ago, you were this scared little thing from Alabama. And now you're my steel magnolia. She's the hottest designer in the fashion world. She's dating the son of New York's mayor. And she's about to get... Where are we? The proposal of her dreams. Oh, my God. Melanie Carmichael, will you marry me? Oh, my God. Pick one. Oh, my God. But before she can tie the knot... I'm in Alabama. She needs to tie up one loose end. Get your stubborn self down here and give me a divorce. What? As I live and struggle for breath. Please sign these papers. The only reason I ain't signing is because you've turned into some hoity-toity Yankee... Don't get them Yankees. People need a passport to come down here. For the first time in seven years, she's come home. Daddy! He's about to surrender! Thank you! 
to face the past she tried to forget. Nobody finds her soulmate when they're 10 years old. I mean, where's the fun in that, right? She thought she had everything she ever wanted. I think a nice country wedding is just the ticket. One down, seven million to go. But she's discovering how much she left behind. You all come with me? I can't. The girl I knew used to be fearless. The girl you knew didn't have a life. I guess you better get on with it then. Touchstone Pictures presents... Melanie? Look at you, all fancy. Look at you. You have a baby. In a bar. A story about finding out what you really need. What are you doing here? I came to deliver your fiancé. You and I are in love with the same girl. Oh, my God. Who you really are. What I need to know is if there is a place for me in your future. And where you really belong. I'm really happy in New York. But then I come down here and this fits, too. Reese Witherspoon. Sweet Home Alabama. Okay. This movie wants to be so great. It wants to be so romantic. It is the biggest pile of crap that's ever been delivered to the American people via silver screen. Yeah, it's pretty bad. This woman treats her first husband like crap, leaves, gets engaged to another man, then he, the first husband, takes her back after all of that. And the stereotypes of the big city and the country are heavy, heavy-handed, ridiculous, shallow, empty, derivative, every other word you can think of. Uh, she is mean to almost everyone in yep. this movie. Yep. Every character. She is a mean person. She's dishonest. She gets this guy, she gets, she becomes engaged to a guy, and he doesn't yet know at that point that she's still married. Right. Okay? She's a sloppy drunk <laughs> who ends up puking in her we can't, not her ex-husband, her actual husband, but not the guy she's with. It's her husband, not the guy she's with. Truck. Peace in the <clears> truck. <throat> and this movie ruins a classic Southern rock song. I know. Has defiled it for all time. Yeah. They knew if they slap Reese Witherspoon in a rom-com and call it Sweet Home Alabama, that a lot of women will go crazy for it. It didn't and matter it, what was in what the content was by financial and even for most a lot of critical people this movie was a success yeah and that uh, released september 27th 2002 on a budget of 30 million dollars it did 127 million in the u.s 180 million worldwide yeah by every account a massive success this movie is hot garbage it is offensive the fact that this this movie treats this movie basically tells and you always hear about you know how uh, different people complain about how they're represented in cinema and the one pe- group of people that's not allowed to complain about how they're represented in cinema is men but the mm-hmm. men in this movie are the most beta whooped dog examples of masculinity that you will ever see in one movie together yep I mean, the movie ends with her dumping her fiancé and going back with the guy, her husband, that she was still married to and hasn't been with in years. And this, right. and this guy, this fiancé, is okay with it. Yeah. He's like, you, 
you, you know you gotta do that and he's like the most amazing guy to her too he's like right. just dotes on her sweet to her and just treats her like an angel and then she decides you know what i'm getting sentimental i'm gonna go back home and end this but then she gets down there gets sentimental it's like oh i i, I guess i miss this uh and I'm tired of the how different, you know, that this, this idea that those two worlds can't coexist. Listen, I'm from farm country, Illinois. I have lived in a big city, lived in Chicago. People are not that different no. just because they live in a city or they live in the country. This I get so tired of this trope of, oh, how would this person survive in this other world? Well, because you're assuming that everybody in the city is some kind of debutante heiress like Paris Hilton or, you know, in that show, The Simple Life. That's not how most city people are. Most city people know how to value a dollar, the value of family, the value of community. Their communities just are in a more condensed area. doesn't mean they don't understand the principles behind it. And so... I hated every single thing about this movie, Terry. <laughs> every single thing. I did not root for her in this movie the first time I saw it. I was like, I hope this lady just gets dumped. I hope this is one of those. The only thing that could save this movie when I watched it is if the, both those guys leave her and she has to grow up and become a, a a decent human being by the end of the story. But no, she gets her dreams. Everything goes right for her. Everything works out for her because she's pretty and she's blonde and she's, you know, the star of the show. She doesn't deserve either one of these guys. Terry. I would have loved it if that she if she said no, I'm I'm going back to him, and then she goes back to him and he signed the divorce papers and then nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then she goes back to the city guy and he's already got somebody who will actually value him for who he is. Right. This lady, this character, Reith Witherspoon's character, she doesn't deserve either one of these guys. The only thing she does deserve is to die alone, surrounded by her 17 cats who only pretend to like her because she feeds them. <laughs> That's how this movie should have ended. But no, she's the hero. And I hear so many people talk about how much they love this movie. And they quote it. And they think it's so romantic. And it's so great that she found her true love again. And if I was that guy... There had never been a second chance. Seven years. No. Seven years. No. And just like, oh, well, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well must not apparently be any other women in Alabama. Yeah. And apparently. Pining away for this woman who's not even nice. Yeah. To begin with. Hmm. So. Yeah. I think this movie should be banished. <laughs> I believe in free speech. This is the one exception. This movie should be outlawed. That's how much I hate it. I feel like most of the movies we spent talking about tonight should be just wiped off, but this one is. <laughs> I understand. I understand on this. This one. one's the hardest sell. This one and the Notebook are probably the hardest sells because they were actually successful. Yeah, the other six were really bad. Were garbage. <laughs> yeah, they're all garbage. Nobody would miss them. Oh man, well, that was fun. All right. So yeah. So mine, my my list was uh. The Green Inferno, G.I. Jane, Batman and Robin, and Sweet Home, Alabama. Very good. <laughs> Movies we hate. Now, I'm sure we're going to get around sometime. We'll get to bands we hate or maybe albums we hate. I don't know how we... Music a little bit different because music is even more... Uh, varied than movies are you know it's just so many different types of things we have to do to like a down. top 10 or something of those yeah, and or breeze through them <laughs> four heavy metal songs we hate or something so 
<laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, all right, Terry, what are we going to be doing next week then? Next week, we are going to do Gene Wilder's classic Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and we're going to have Ruby as a guest on next week. Oh, all right. we, we watched it recently, and she's like, You should do this one. And I said, Oh, that'd be perfect. So yeah, we'll we'll do that one. Yeah, that'll be a fun one to do, and it's on HBO Max, and it's a fun one you can watch with the kids. And oh yeah, easy to you don't have to carve out time to try to watch it because the kids can be available at the time. Yes, and it's a movie I've seen so many times that uh, I'll, I'll feel right at home watching it again. Yeah. So I thought we'd go with a family friendly friendly movie next week, and yeah, well, then why would you introduce it in a non family friendly way? <laughs> well, you, so, you're going to edit it out, right? Yes, hopefully I remember to. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably forget, and then you have on to, there. This then you have to edit out this part. <laughs> yep, <laughs> lots of edits. Or maybe, or maybe we'll just leave it because anybody who's still listening after two hours is probably an adult anyway. So that's true. <laughs> all right. Well, we want to thank all of our fans that are listening. You may have not heard the last minute or so of what we've been talking about, but maybe you have. I haven't decided yet. But we want to thank you for being here. We hope you enjoyed as much as we love it. For Retro Review with Rob and Terry, I am Rob. This is Terry. God bless you and good night.